What's up, y'all, and welcome to another episode of Mass Murder Talk. I have a couple of exciting things I want to talk about before I start the episode. First thing is, y'all, it's International Women's Month. With that, I want to shout out and say thank you to all the strong, beautiful women out there of every race, color, and nationality. Because let's keep it 100, y'all. If it wasn't for a lot of these women, we wouldn't be where we are today. My personal inspiration is Michelle Obama. We all know who she is. We know her resume, so I won't get into all that. Plus, the way she dresses is fire. I'm super excited to announce that I got my very first sponsor, Herbal Sensations and Sauces, LLC. Herbal Sensations and Sauces was founded and created by a woman named Tasha May. Tasha came up with the idea to create her own seasonings when her church was on a fast and they could only have things that were organic. She wanted organic food that tasted good and she realized that just organic food wasn't it. She needed something with some flavor. Hence, Herbal Sensations and Sauces was born. I have personally had both her food and her seasonings, and both are delicious. Herbal Sensations and Sauces specializes in bringing a robust flavor of seasonings to accent a variety of your food choices. From chicken, beef, seafood, vegetables, and pork, you can sauce it up with sensations. Each seasoning is made with truly organic herbs and seeds, which are homegrown in raised beds free from pesticides. Each seasoning is free from salt, MSG, and contains no GMO or caking agents. If you live in the Dayton, Ohio area and are interested in purchasing, have questions, or just want to check her out, you can find her on Facebook under the name Tasha May, M-A-Y-E. She is currently offering meals that are prepared with her seasonings. Don't forget to sauce it up with sensations. Also, for the next couple of months, I am going to start plugging small businesses. So if you have a small business or you know someone that does have a small business and you would like for me to mention it on my podcast, please shoot me an email at janinereed at yahoo.com, J-E-A-N-E-E-N dot R-E-E-D at yahoo.com. With that being said, let's start the episode. So for this episode, I'm giving a huge trigger warning. This episode deals with molestation, incest, and rape. So please, 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 if this triggers you in any way, I strongly suggest that you skip this episode. In this episode, we'll be talking about Marcus Wesson. Once again, this is going to be crazy, and I will try to be as delicate as I can. Wesson was convicted of first-degree murder and sex crimes, which included the rape and molestation of his underage daughters, His victims were his own children fathered by incestuous relationships he had with his daughters and nieces, as well as the children by his wife. It is to date the worst mass murder of Fresno, California. So Marcus Wesson was born in Kansas, August 22nd, 1946. It's kind of strange. I couldn't find the city he was born everywhere. I scoured the Internet and it just said Kansas. He was the oldest of four children. Wesson was raised as a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He would refer to his mother as a religious fanatic. His father was a child abusive alcoholic, and he abandoned the family when Wesson was a child. In the early 1960s, the the family moved to San Bernardino, California. Wesson dropped out of high school and joined the Army, serving from 1966 to 1968 as an ambulance driver. Shortly after the military, he moved in with an older woman named Rosemary Salerio. 
and her eight children in San Jose, California in 1971, Rosemary gave birth to Wesson's son. Okay, y'all, so it goes down here from downhill from here. It gets very fucking sick and twisted from this point. Wesson went to prison for welfare fraud. I was unable to find the date that he went in. He was released in 1990, and when he came home, he started sexually abusing Solario's eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. He even married her when she was 14 and he was 27. According to what I could find, the mother was actually enthusiastic about the union and supported them 100%. Obviously, the marriage was not legal. It was a ceremony where they would place their hands on a Bible and recite recite their own personal vows. Four months later, she gave birth to his first child. Eventually, they ended up having 10 children together, including an infant that passed away. A short time later, he also married two of his nieces in the same type of ceremony. I'm sorry, y'all, but I just don't understand this type of shit. This story is so bewildering to me. I seriously cannot wrap my head around this whole situation. All right, y'all, let's delve deeper. Around this time, one of Elizabeth's younger sisters left her seven children with them, claiming she couldn't take care of them because she had a drug problem. So I'm guessing at this point, they had 16 kids living in one house. I was unable to find out if they actually kept the kids. Maybe they kept the kids for a short amount of time. I'm not really sure. I couldn't find any more information. But let's think about this. If there were 16 children in that house at once, and there was already sexual abuse going on, could you imagine? I swear, just the thought of that makes me so scared for those kids. The family was very poor, often running in, living in rundown and vacant houses, shacks, boats, and even at one point, they lived in a school bus. From what I could find, once the male children were old enough to be on their own, they moved out. They wanted no parts of whatever their dad had going on. The Wessons creeped out their neighbors. Marcus Wesson weighed about 400 pounds, and the neighbor described his hair as one long, greasy dreadlock that was caked in dirt and oil. Ugh. The neighbors would go on to say that the fam- when the family went out in public, that the women would walk behind him in dark robes with their eyes down. The neighbors also reported that when the family lived on a tugboat, that the girls would row Wesson to shore and back. A lot of the neighbors said that the women were like slaves having to row him back and forth. Wesson was also known to be abusive towards his wife and children, both male and female. He would beat their mother with a bat if she would talk to the male children or if she didn't learn her Bible lessons. If they were out in public, the women, if the women walked too far from him, he would pull them back by their hair. He would not let their own mother participate in the children's upbringing. He homeschooled the kids using flashcards and school textbooks. Wesson was fascinated with David Koresh and made his family into his own personal cult. Because he was fascinated with David Koresh, he taught his family to be prepared to die if anyone ever tried to break up the family. Wesson would tell them things like they were strong soldiers and he would hunt down and kill any family members that betrayed him. He also taught them from handwritten Bible 
that focused on Jesus Christ being a vampire. Marcus was also fascinated with vampires. He gave himself, daughters, and nieces vampire names. The vampire name he gave himself is extremely hard to pronounce. I'm not even going to try. But it was a mixture of Jesus, Marcus, and vampire. Wesson told his children that he was God and to be referred to as Master or Lord. He prepared the kids for Armageddon and told the girls they were destined to be his wives. The school curriculum involved teaching the girls as young as eight and nine oral sex. They also had domestic responsibilities, which including which included washing his dreads, scratching his scalp and his nasty ass armpits. The girls were not able to talk to their male siblings or their mother. Both male and female children were physically abused. He raped two daughters and three nieces at the age of eight. Each of the girls became pregnant as a result. Dude, what the fuck? I just, I can't even, I can't even with this story, y'all. This story has me feeling some kind of way. First of all, eight years old. Why? I will never understand the sick obsession people have with touching kids. Second, I don't like touching my arm, my own armpits let alone some big, grown, funky, nasty-ass man's bushy-ass armpits. Ugh. Just the thought of those poor little girls being abused like that not only infuriates me, but it makes me physically ill. Their lives had to have been horrific. They keep going on and living like this and living like this, and I'm guessing neighbors started complaining. Because prior to March 12th, The day of the murders, Marcus Wesson had told his family that he was planning on moving them to Washington State, where his parents lived. By now, several of the Wessons' extended family found out that he was planning to move and decided to rebel against him. I'm speculating here, but I'm sure the other members of the family knew what was going on. Maybe they were scared to say or do anything. Maybe they were hoping that over time the abuse would stop. Or maybe at some point it was reported and nothing was done about it. I just don't know. On March 12, 2004, they converged on his family compound and demanded the release of their children. You know, at this point, the family is probably sick of the bullshit and they're ready for it to stop. They're like, look, we can't take this anymore. We just want to take our kids and go on about our business. So by now, the Fresno police are called. And they're told that it's a child custody issue. Wesson was not trying to give up his family, so he ran inside the house and locked himself in. As a result, there was a two-hour standoff. Wesson eventually comes to the door and tells the police to wait here or wait at the door, and he disappears into the house. A few minutes later, he comes back to the door, and his clothes are all bloody. As we all know, that's never a good sign. Fresno police claimed they didn't hear any gunshots after Wesson disappeared into the house, but witnesses that were at the standoff said they did hear gunshots at that time. At this point, Wesson was taken into custody, and when the police go in and search the house, they were not prepared for what they saw. They discovered a stack of nine bodies, small children, and young women intertwined in one room in clothing, and then they found 10 caskets in another room. 
It was reported that the bodies were so entangled that it took them hours to confirm how many bodies there actually were. Each victim had been fatally shot through the eye. Wesson had other children that had escaped out the back of the house during the standoff. So basically, not only did he sexually, physically, and mentally abuse these family members, he decided, fuck it, if they can't be with me, they have to die. I mean, I just don't understand what the fuck kind of reasoning is that. Do you, are you that much of a control freak that you have to have control of these people 24 seven? I mean, what kind of fucked up shit is that? That's the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard of. So the trial started the following year in 2005. And when it did, it was some crazy shit. It was reported that many of the jurors were excused from the trial because they claimed to be terrified to be in the same room as Wesson. Wesson's defense cl- team argued he didn't do it. The defense claimed that Wesson's 25-year-old daughter committed the murders, including her son, and then killed herself. I mean, come on. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Who in their right mind would believe that? Wesson set it up to look pretty good, though, because... The murder weapon, which was a 22 caliber handgun, was found with her body with her DNA on it. Even though the jury was not able to determine if Wesson fired the fatal shots, he was still found guilty anyway. The jury presumably found out that he had persuaded his children in to enter inside some type of suicide pact. Here's an even crazier part. It took the jury more than two weeks to find him guilty. Two weeks? Come on, in my opinion, they should have come back with a verdict in less than an hour. On June 17, 2005, Marcus Wesson was convicted of nine counts of first-degree murder and was also found guilty of 14 counts of forcible rape and the sexual molestation of seven of his daughters and nieces. He was sentenced to death on June 27, 2005, and is still on death row. He is currently in San Quentin State Prison. So, y'all, that was a lot. And a lot of that, I kind of, you know, mellowed out. So, as usual, I'll ask, what would y'all do in that situation? If you knew that something like this was going on in your family, would you say anything or stay silent and hope it just goes away? I can tell you it almost never goes away. In a lot of cases, the abuse escalates. Would you believe your family member or just try to downplay it? Believe it or not, that happens more than people think. This is just me giving my opinion. This is the epitome of mental illness. This man has been fucked up since day one. Now, obviously, I don't know him, but no sane person could do this. But here's the tricky part. As I said before, he knew enough to set up his daughter to take the fall so that he could hopefully get away with it. I mean, there has to be some type of sanity there. Where was his mother when all this was going on? I mean, did she approve of this? I mean, did she know that he was like this? As a mother, you know when something is not right with your child. Maybe she knew he was fucked up and decided to look the other way. Maybe she knew and felt like he wasn't doing anything wrong. 
Maybe she was in denial. Is that why she lived in a different state? I don't know. This case has left me with so many questions and a lot of sadness for these women and babies. So, as you all know, this podcast is all about mass murder. But I want to mix it up a little bit and do something a little different for my next episode. And I'm hoping that you all will love it. I don't want to give too much away, so I'm going to keep what it's going to be about in my pocket. But I promise if you tune in for my next episode, you'll love it. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and share my podcast with other true crime fans. Again, thank you for listening. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Deuces.